Hi team, welcome to Beyond the Field, your property finance and general discussion podcast series powered by Money Empire. We're a team of financial advisors here to help you tick off your property and finance goals. When we share Beyond the Field, we mean this to be beyond whatever field you're used to. Money doesn't have to be scary. Buying a home doesn't have to be painful. And planning your financial future, whatever that may mean, doesn't need to be tough. That's why the content you're about to hear is designed to educate, inspire, and help you tick off your goals. If you don't have any yet, that's cool too. Our team have helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys over the last 10 years. Clients can be anyone from first-time buyers, young folks trying to get a plan in place, or people with extensive property portfolios. We're Kiwis, but we're here to help people abroad too. By listening to this podcast, you're hearing the up-to-date information on all things financial. Sometimes, though, we can change it up and get guest speakers in. From industry leaders, legendary sports stars, local cafe owners, and stories of everyday people. Beyond the Field should help you transform whatever vision you have for your future. Let us help you take back control, remove any fears or doubts, and feel secure. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. My name is Cam Rostrom. I'm Goran Lonka. And today we thought it was very prudent to talk about the housing policy changes that have been so topical that uh, I think were released on Monday this week. So Goran, um, quickly, um, we're probably gonna, we'll just summarise, uh, I suppose, the changes and then we can go through uh, in a bit more detail around each one. Obviously putting a disclaimer out there that we're not accountants or chartered accountants but um, we're reading off, uh, I suppose, the IRD um, website and the changes, and then we'll put our thoughts on them. So um, firstly, Goran, um, extending the Brightline test to 10 years. Give me a rundown on that. So currently the Brightline test rule is obviously five years, meaning if you uh, sell a property that's an investment property, within the first five years you will get taxed on that. That's been pushed out to 10, basically. And what is your thoughts on that? For me, I'm like, well... I don't mind this policy change. If you make money on something, you pay tax. And if you're paying tax, well, you're winning, right? That's the way I see it. Absolutely. And I'm always on the thought of if you're going to buy an investment property, you're going to hold it for at least minimum 10 years. So I think for myself, I'll be okay there. So, okay. If it's your main home, where does this sit around this tax? It's exempt. So owner-occupied properties and properties that you live in are exempt from the Brightline test. Okay, so probably in a bit more detail then, what makes a home that you live in, definition-wise? Well, a home that you live in is probably classed as what we call an owner-occupied property. But again, if that was to change at some point and become an investment, does that make it for the Brightline test to come in or not? Well, from my understanding, yes, it does. Absolutely. And there's obviously time periods in that. So the Brightline test is um, a taxation source on the capital gains, I suppose, or the, of the property. Once it's sold. Once it's sold. So if you buy it for X and you sell it for Y, uh, you're hit with the Brightline test inside those um, definitive years that they're defining on these policies. So to be clear on that, Goran, they're extending the Brightline test from five years to 10 years, and this is really trying to target investors, right? Yes, correct. And I think what is important to say, obviously, there's a few conditions that this comes with. So the 10-year Brightline test will 
come into effect for people who are purchasing investment properties that are existing properties, okay? So these are properties that have already been built, yeah, not new builds. So this does not apply to new builds. Okay. The, the five-year bright line test will apply to new builds. Okay, so they're amending the main home exclusion, which will require tax to be paid on gains made for periods of the property that is not used as the owner's main home, right? So they're really clear and precise. You need to get your head around that um, as a property owner. So... Moving on, just to what you touched on then, um, they're saying allowing newly built homes to use a five-year bright line test. So if I'm an investor and I'm buying a new or a new build off the plans or from a developer, then I'm exempt from the 10-year, but I'm put into the bracket of the five-year bright line test. Correct. So the same rules that apply today for investors will apply to investors that want to purchase new builds from Saturday onwards. Okay, okay. Basically. It's a bit confusing. And Saturday being the 27th. 7th. So that's where it gets murky, where people are signing SMPs that, or sale and purchases that are dated before or after then. You have to be really clear and understanding, um, I suppose, of the ramifications of that. And that's where a solicitor and or an accountant can advise in some way. The problem we have here is is that most of these are proposals, so they haven't been legislated or put through in concrete, and there is a bit of uneasiness or awkwardness around this because it's hard to give advice. Absolutely, and today being the last day, which is the day before the proposed date change, I mean, it's from my understanding for tax purposes, um, if a property is general, a property is generally acquired on the date of a binding sell and purchase agreement is entered into. So, this does not mean that if you have a signed sell and purchase today and you're going conditional, that these rules will apply to you, even though you settle post Saturday. Okay, so post Saturday, right? So it does get it can get niggly and tricky. Yep, I think I think you'll have a lot of people out there putting in the phone calls that have gone conditional querying about this stuff. So what you're telling me then? is the bright line test extension is set in concrete past legislation going into act or in force 27th of March being Saturday. Correct. Okay. Probably one of the um, other big talking points or probably the biggest talking point is not allowing property owners to claim interest on loans used for residential investment properties. And they're proposing this to come into force or on the 1st of October 2021 this year with the four-year sliding scale on this and we'll get into a bit more detail what that means but just your thoughts Goran what are your thoughts on this I think this is like just like with anything with time it's going to take a little bit of change and people to adjust so I think like we've seen this week's well ever since Tuesday we've had a few calls from investors asking around this um, so what the government has essentially agreed to do is change the rules that allow property owners to claim interest on loans used for residential properties as an expense against their income for those properties. Now, that tier system in terms of years, going from 100 to 75 to 50 and 25, which we'll touch on a little bit later, that will obviously apply to investors who have previously bought an investment property yes. before the 27th of March. So this is the proposal of this is to come in on the 1st of October this year. Now, I have read some stuff which is really interesting where Treasury 
actually went against this and said to the government, do not look to put this in force. This is not going to be um, as beneficial of what you may see or think um, and didn't actually like this. So for me, I look at this in this way. If you're an investor, if you're investing in property, it's a business, right? And if you're um, investing in multiple properties, it's a bigger business. Now, if you are running another company in completely a, a completely different field, let's say manufacturing, your gross income for the business is X, your expenses are Y, it's going to give you net profit. How is owning properties not seen as a business? It's not like it's a pastime. This is what I can't fathom. Yeah, I agree. I think, look... Wh- what they're trying to do here is shake it up and I think they've gone far they've waited far enough and they had to make a decision and this is the best that they could come up with and I personally feel if this doesn't work for some reason because this will take a little bit of time for people to adjust to especially investors out there who have 10 20 properties um, I think they will even go further at some point what that may be because previous to this announcement there was talk about scrapping interest only loans completely and introducing debt to income ratios across the board that hasn't come into effect but I do agree with you in terms of um, look I just I just don't know what because we've had so many phone calls this week and read so many articles and and posts on the chat group saying do I need to sell do I need to sell? Again, it, it's your personal decision, but I'm with you on this one. So the sliding scale then talking on this four-year, um, I suppose, interest-only scale they're looking at. So if this comes into legislation as of 1 October, they're then going to um, allow uh, 75% of income to the end of the, that financial year, 75% of interest to be tax deductible. And then from um, April 2022 to March 2023, we'll stay on that 75% scale slide. Then from April 2023 to March 2024, you're gonna have a 50% interest claimable component. Then going down to the next financial year of 25%. And then from 1 April, 2025 it's going to be zero that's the proposal they're looking at I would be very I'm very interested to see whether this goes ahead because I think you're going to have a lot of lot of people up in arms about this now when we look at this whole all these policy changes it's all for me and verbally what the government have said weighted towards helping a first home buyer out Correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think this is what I will kindly interrupt you here because I know what you're going to say. This is going to sway towards, um, I think, more of a divide, in my personal opinion. Because from wealth to poverty. From wealth to poverty, because what this is obviously opening the doors for, because first home buyers, they, in this day and age, with these soaring house prices, they are going towards new builds. Okay, and these are exempt because these are going to be owner-occupied homes for, for these first-home buyers. But what will the investors do? They'll yeah. just follow suit. So that's exactly when I look at these policy and changes. And they'll snag them. I agree. When I look at these policy changes, I look at it. I don't see this being favoured to first-home buyers because we know at ground level what's happening in the market. Majority of first-home buyers are buying new builds because they're a fixed-price contract you know what the actual purchase price is going to be and you know what the outcome is going to be upon completed, right? Now, if new builds are going to be completely exempt, 
from the 10-year bright line and going down to five and completely exempt from interest-only tax deductibility with this new legislation, if I'm an investor, I'm going straight for a new build. It's only logical. It's only logical and people will catch on to this quite quickly. And then all of a sudden, you have an investor going against the first home buyer to purchase a home. Those prices are going to get driven up. Developers are then going to um, click on to what's going on and potentially hold off on doing a heap of pre-sales and actually go to the open market upon completion. That's going to drive up prices. So I see the loser in all this, honestly, being a first home buyer long term. Unfortunately... I see it that way too. And I say unfortunately because of the first home buyers because you've got to remember what we haven't also said in terms of the credit policies for new builds is not 40% for investment properties. It's 20. Yeah. Yeah. So people who have bought maybe last year as a seasoned investor, say November, December, I'm guaranteeing you they would have got a 20% deposit since purchase now in terms of equity. Agree. We're seeing the average house price in Auckland has risen about 300K. Yeah. So, in the last 12 months and so exactly what you're saying that equity deposit has already been created to leverage off and most people that um, with super low interest rates and rents very high and con- going to continue to rise it becomes a very vi- viable option for investor and probably leaning on the next thing I was going to say was this whole legislation all this is going to mean is that landlords of investment properties are going to increase rents to offset the tax that they will have to pay from not being able to claim the interest. And we've kind of worked that out roughly to be about 6K on an average property that a landlord or an investor is going to be out of pocket, which is what they're going to have to pay the IRD for tax. That six grand prorated over the next four to five years works out to be an increase of $28 per week per annum on a home to make that buffer up. The current renter is a person that most likely doesn't own a home and wants to buy a home. All of a sudden you're chewing into someone that could save money for a first time deposit because they have to pay more rent. So again... It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, I think also what landlords and investors out there need to remember also is... uh, if money is borrowed after the 27th of March to maintain or improve your property, that's not tax deductible. So that's completely gone. Mm. You know, It doesn't even fall in line. So all in all, I think out, people out there will be ringing their accountants to make sure they understand this. So probably going back to um, what you made a comment earlier, the wealth divide. I can't see this bringing the wealth gap closer together. People always find a way. I actually see it creating further destruction in that. Now, um, there are, I suppose, some really interesting policies here that we've covered, and some are in concrete and some are proposals. What I will say is that in the past, when things have been changed, we know John Key's government brought in the two-year bright line test or capital gains um, uh, tax, this has now been, it was extended to five years. Now it's gone to 10 years. Uh, in past times, any tax losses on investment properties, used to, you used to be able to put against your personal income to reduce your tax. So the whole ring fencing policy came into force. That didn't do anything for housing. And now we're into all these policy changes. Gone from your point of view, in your opinion, do you see any change 
to the housing market from this? The only, no, I will say no, but the only change that I see and what I have noticed this week is um, speculation and assumption and fear because it's only been three days since this has been announced and we have had a few phone calls from clients Mm -hmm. saying, oh, what does this mean? I think I might pull the plug. You know, so like I say, this will take some digesting and will take time. But for the purpose that this legislation has been brought in for first-time buyers, I personally don't see it making much of a difference. We can't harp on enough around supply and demand. There's not enough supply to meet to, to, to meet the demand of a ha- of housing for Kiwis. And that is the real issue. We see that the government's chucking almost $4 billion into infrastructure around roads and water. Well, that's fantastic, but we need land. We need land to build. We need to encourage developers to build multi-dwellings, townhouses. We need we need resource consent and consent from council to be a lot freer and quicker because timeframes, their turnarounds, they, they always are, and I've personally been through it, where um, renovating a home, kitchen and, and low-bearing walls, the questions they ask and the kickback you get and the time, you know, this is all all issues tradies we don't have enough tradies here and they're doing a, a government apprenticeship um, scheme to get more people on but these people it's a three four year process till they're fully skilled mm-hmm. so we're way behind the eight ball and what constantly happens we're constantly behind the demand constantly behind the demand is so high the supply is just not there so until that gets factored in and actually helped out in some way I don't have the golden egg for that but I just don't think any of these are going to make a huge huge difference hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today for more info on this podcast and a heap more check us out on beyond the field on Instagram Facebook and LinkedIn and hit the subscribe button take the reins of your future and feel empowered with beyond the field